and one way of thinking about what's at stake now is in terms of forms of dreaming, you can say. That, you know, one thing that, that what is called the real world, what is called reality, what counts as reality, is just is a form of uh, collective dreaming. How do we form relations that are the antithesis to relations that we experience as a result of this history that is fundamental, different, constructive, mutual respect for now or less? I guess I'll just say the green time is. That's what happened in the past, what things come to be, it's what's happening now, and what is to happen in the future. This is a continuing, continuing uh, uh, politics of taking. So it really doesn't matter. Each generation of my people are responsible, they're responsible for your time that you're here to do what you can. And then you mentor and hand off to the next generation. It's their time, their future, and we're there to support. And they gave me an excellent argument to use the term Indian. They said in this way, our name is at least a tribute to white man's stupidity, you know. Yeah, Ho Chi Minh's a really interesting figure. I just decided to throw on the Yeah, he helped defeat the, the U.S. And, and Vietnam, and he's yeah. very anti-colonial, so I think... It would have been the largest relevant. empire in the world, or... Um, a bunch of Vietnamese farmers. Yeah, and plus, I just like, like, I was reading the introduction, I'm like, you know, it's like, you know what? I think, uh, I think I'm gonna like this dude because he was a peasant. Yeah. The peasant. Who just yeah, and that's not the traditional, like, because Marx talked about um, the unique revolutionary potential of the urban proletariat, but, you know, the characteristics of like eastern uh communism have kind of uh i mean and i mean those are the remaining uh communist uh at least uh, nominally communist states right you got china vietnam uh laos and and north korea so, and, whereas you know, the eurasian you know, one's kind of sorry you know it's funny what? everyone talks about how bad china is but i think china's doing pretty good for themselves China's doing extremely well. That's why uh, we're seeing like an elevated. <laughs> that's why we're seeing this sort of elevated, like, uh, like yellow peril, like Cold War II type stuff about China. Yeah, because to me, yeah. like, I got roommate, you know, Snow Sisters. They always watching Chinese, Korean stuff mm -hmm. on television and entertainment. Oh yeah, well, Korean stuff has become. Really, what, what I'd be interested in is because uh, I don't watch a ton of um, I watched Squid Game because everybody else did just so I, I had just something to like. It. I haven't watched Squid Game. Oh, you didn't? Uh, it's like pretty it. good. I enjoyed it a lot. This is a, a good sort of commentary of like, um, like you know, like there, there's a, a North Korean character, and you know, after yeah. they go through this like rigorous, like, like, um, you know, disaster capitalism dystopia type thing. Uh, like she's asked, like, you know, is it really any better over here? I mean, is it, you know, and she's like, she didn't have an answer, you know? Yeah, well, to me, like the problem people face like, when they think about like anarchist societies or communist society 
It's the fact that we've never been in one, so we don't know what it's like because we never lived it. Exactly. And that's why people are afraid of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people are afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah, they're afraid of something they haven't experienced yet. They're only being told lies through the television screen, you know? Like, oh, yeah. dictatorship, communism, communism, yeah. no freedom, communism this, communism that, you know? And mm -hmm. it's all propaganda, you know, enforced by the colonial invaders, you know, the ones that are for yeah. capitalism, for the exploitation of the land and these class divisions that keep us divided and keep um, the poor poor and the middle, the, you know, anyone that's at the bottom from growing, from elevating, anyone in the middle from elevating higher, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, because in communism, those classes don't exist. Everyone is equal in that way. And if anyone's poor, it's because of their own, re their own, their, their, their selves, you know what I mean? It's not because, oh, the government made me poor. No, it's because you didn't want to do anything. Well, even in that scenario, like the ideal, um, like Marx talked a lot about um, how, um, you know, in, in, the, in this hypothetical society, uh, labor would be the prime want of people. Like that, like the, the worst thing you could really do is not do anything. And then you wouldn't have as rewarding of a life anyway. Um, which is, I mean, something I'm kind of, uh, struggling with. I am working, but like, would I, you know, do, would I do delivery like as, uh, you know, in a communist society? Probably not. I would probably continue to pursue my passions, um, in, in art and comedy and, you know, well, music to Matt, some extent. Matt, you'd probably be that teacher teaching kids how to, how to find their creativity. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I could see myself as an art teacher. Um, an art teacher or like something in the arts to where, okay, I do, you know what I mean? In the daytime, I'm teaching kids and helping artists find their their uh, talent, their skill. Like if they want to pursue the arts, okay, well, what is your talent? And, you know, you're helping them find it with like your group of uh, friends who specialize in one art or another. You know what I mean? Like, for example, if yeah. it was me, you, and Andre. Andre would be up. Andre would probably be the art department. Yeah. Well, I didn't even go to art school. I probably would have like less um, shame. I mean, not. I, I wasn't like ashamed of it. I just, um, you know, it didn't seem like a plausible future for me. Um, I think. I think for me. Whereas you know, I would I would go for it if 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 <laughs> you know we if there's not the risk. That, that, that occurs, you know, in, in a communist society. What are the risks? Well, the risks, oh, sorry, the risks of this society, I mean, like, uh, those should be eliminated as barriers for people, you know? Yeah, and I hate the whole concept of, like, I remember when they were defunding the arts and all this and that, they were talking about that, and I hate, and I hate the idea of it, because to me, uh, you're just creating a... A, a bigger issue to come where people can't express themselves because they don't have no outlets. You know what I mean? It's like saying, well, okay, your art is meaningless. Your drawings are meaningless. Your music's meaningless. All you, your life is to work, 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 and make money. Then next thing you know, 
that person becomes so overwhelmed by stress and not having an escape or a way to express themselves. Next thing you know, they kill somebody and all because they don't have no way out. And I think the arts are there to keep us sane. Not right, to- you heard it here first, folks. The arts are there so that people don't kill people. Yes, yes. And uh, because, you know, without, without music, I would have been, been in prison right now. I'd probably be dead. Without art, I Charles would Manson not- was a musician. Huh? Charles Manson was a musician. Yeah. Yeah, he was. The problem with him was that he lost he psychotic. He was, yeah, he was very racist too. Besides yeah. being psychotic, he was more obsessed with attaining fame than attaining a fulfillment. Uh, yeah, he took one of his songs and like changed it. He was all pissed about it. Oh, well, yeah. my belief is that the ideal mental health care system should turn every irreversibly crazy person into their own local Kanye. Like everybody gets to be like a crazy Kanye. star that nobody that nobody really understands, but you know, they just look at a headline, they're like, oh God bless him, you know. <laughs> He's sensitive shit, man. It's just confusing. I'm just like, I'm not. I'm just heard by him trying to do gospel music. Wait, who? Oh, Kanye? Yeah. Kanye's done going on a gospel music career, and I'm like... At least he I, tries, you know? He tries a bit of everything. Yeah, just don't, go, just don't go to death metal. <laughs> just don't do death metal. I already told like you who metal. I think I was. Well, that's going to make him want to do it. Not that Kanye's listening, but... Can you imagine, yeah. like, Kanye West doing, like, a body count light thing, like, like Ice-T? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, I would, yeah, I would check that out. I, 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 would, I, would I actually good, like but... body count. I would, oh, I, I love would, body count. I would, I would say that if just to hear it, you know what I mean? Because to me, Ice-T so far is one of the few rappers that can cross over into metal, especially thrash and even death metal, because he crossed over and did, like, a song with on um, Chris Barnes from Six Feet Under, yeah. and it wasn't that bad. No, it's uh, not. Uh, what are you doing? You know, just a hype man. Told me, one bullet left. One bullet left. <laughs> yeah, worst. you know, Kanye. You know, he's he's an artist. He's descending into insanity. Yeah, kind of like. Uh, have you? Watched I think he already the, has. Have you watched the uh, Bad Brains um, documentary on HR? Not yet. Uh, no, I haven't. Watch it. That like it's like watching a man descend, change, and descend into madness. Not like Kanye West madness, but more like madness to where okay, you're seeing two to three different people come out. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, turns out he's schizophrenic. Uh. And uh, and he had all these different personas, and uh. And it's just crazy to watch it because I'm like, free, I'm sitting here watching it and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like mm. this guy's losing his mind. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, it's a good movie, but it's also a movie where you want, you know, you kind of find yourself kind of scratching your head at the end of like, like what happened? You know what I mean? He's okay now, thanks to his wife, because his wife made him get help. 
for her schizophrenia. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but um, switching personas. One day he's the British man. Next day he's he's the guru. Next day he's himself, and the next day he's another person. Oh, that I, I actually um, when I took a stand-up comedy class, there was this one woman who, in reality, she had had a stroke, right? But she would slip into like be, slip in and out of like really very good like perfect accents like it was between uh like I think she was uh of Irish heritage she had like an Irish family and her um her husband was Puerto Rican and she was from Texas so she would switch between Texan and Puerto Rican and Irish at like in the middle of her bits it would have nothing to do with the bits it was it was fucking fascinating I bet it was you know you know you know I just realized something. What if the whole idea of acting, doing plays and stuff like that, and movies and stuff like the person who came up with the idea, like, hey, let's let's act out these stories that we write. What if the person that came up with the idea of doing all this was a schizophrenic? Okay, I can see I- maybe that was yeah. Well, because schizophrenic people have always existed; they just weren't like diagnosed and you know, um, categorized that way. So, I mean, yeah, like I, like that's one hell of a high idea, but I, I see what you're saying, you know? Yeah. Cause sometimes they, Oh, but then sorry to cut you off, but sometimes no, they say like genius goes hand in hand with a little bit of insanity. Yeah. Diagnosed or undiagnosed, you know? Yeah. I, I think so. Just in general, whether it be composing music or painting or, um, sculpting, uh, scripting, yeah. you know. That is true. All kinds of artists. After all, I might be Dean Insane for half the, for my ideas that I come up with. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Van you know, Gogh, know, Dolly. Dean Insane. Death. Uh, <laughs> I've, de- I've been institutionalized. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I've been. I've de- definitely been insane. It's it's tough, you know, having like reality contradict the um the your understanding of the world basically like when you're talking and you think you're making sense like you think you're in the you know in the uh in in the rift so to speak and nobody understands the fucking thing you're saying well i've been in that area a few times because i know my mind like earlier i was having a having a i was going nuts because i lost my win card to call in to Walmart, right? Yeah. And so now it's like I got I got two two points, which which means it's like kind of like no call, no show. And I was losing it. I was going crazy. I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna be fired and all this stuff. And it's like crazy because your mind gets in, goes into this like labyrinth, and you can't get out. It's like a labyrinth. Yeah. So, and to me, I feel like it's like a spiral of insanity. Yeah, that kind of spiral. Mm. Have you ever been in the labyrinth, Andre? Uh, I thought you were talking about the movie. No, I'm <laughs> talking about the mental labyrinth. Were you in Pan's I, I Labyrinth? I felt that way. And I, I, like a freaking deteriorating one. Back when I was going through really, really bad, like suicidal ideation, things like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's how su- that's how depressive black metal came to be. Right, <laughs> like I wrote so many things that 
would make perfect depressive black metal songs. I was like, oh yeah, I wrote some great shit when I was uh, when I was crazy and and uh, you know suicidal and everything. So yeah, that confirms it, y'all. You know, if you're insane, you know, pick up a pencil, pick up a paintbrush. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there always there used to always be like roles for mentally ill people in society, and they weren't always necessarily marginalized. Like I think that throughout a lot of history, mentally ill people um, uh, had um, a, a, a social significance in like spirituality and religion you know oh yeah they were saying that uh because those are the people that are talking to the gods and everything you know hr from the bad brains was the shaman because the shaman Mm. isn't here the shaman is on a whole different plane and they were comparing it to a shaman because the shaman's always in an altered state or in and out of consciousness and uh and you know in the dream time yeah yeah, the dream time, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, see, we, see, we finally brought the dream concept of Archirama in full circle. Yeah, insanity. <laughs> and uh, and you know, well, sane is defined by, you know, like the collective dream of society. So if you are in um, some sort of like parallel stasis to that, then you know, maybe like. Maybe you're like, who's to define what, you know, what what sane is outside of, you know, the status quo? I think sane in the status quo's eyes is someone who basically is okay with all the bullshit in the world. Okay with yeah. the way things are going. It's okay. It's basically like docile, like nothing matters. It's like I work, I pay my bills. I wake up, I go to sleep, I eat. That's that's mm-hmm. that's saying. Where insane yeah. is, I hate what the fuck is happening. I'm pissed all the time, and I want to yeah. dismantle society and reassemble it a different way. You know what I mean? Like I think that's uh that's insanity. You know? That's that's sane to me. Yeah. Yeah, but to a lot of people, that's insanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I believe a lot of the anarchists, while they were so hated so much, you know, especially Marx and Marx and Kropotkin, uh, it's because those guys were thinking very radical into people that's like, oh, I'm fine with society, everything's fine, I got everything good. You just, you just, you just, you just bitching over nothing, you know. To them, you know, those guys were insane. Well, because like. You don't like a reasonable person is someone who does just sort of fit into that definition. And I think this is a George Bernard Shaw quote or something. Um, he said, like, the unreasonable man, you know, is um, is a guy who looks at that and thinks, like, no, we should have like this should be more accommodating to people. Right. And um, we wanted to talk about um, Thanksgiving. Right. Because that's topical. Uh, first, I should say. First, I should probably say uh, to our few listeners, uh, we're we're sorry that it took so long to do this uh, this fifth episode. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, we were trying to negotiate a bunch of different things with different guests, and you know, we couldn't. It's it's apparently very hard to um, navigate across time and 
space, the space of, of Turtle Island to, uh, you know, bring us all together uh, at one point uh, and, and do this. Uh, so, you know, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to um, do it more regularly. I've been going through my own shit. The, you know, these guys have been busy. Uh, so, yeah, we're here now. We're here now. And we're just going to this one is not one of the ones I've uh, scripted or had any kind of uh, pre like have, have any kind of game plan for. Uh, we're just going to kind of, um, you know, go off about uh, what, what we think Thanksgiving symbolizes and what it means and, you know, the history of it. Uh, Jamie, you want to start? All righty. Thanksgiving is a bloody holiday. It's a holiday of bloodshed. You know, there probably was at some point in time a feast between the pilgrims and the native people. And that might have happened once. But then tensions started happening and all kinds of war and accusations and division was happening. And finally, one of them realized, wait a minute, it's these motherfuckers right here that are causing all the problems. And as a result, they retaliated and the white man slaughtered them. And what did they do when they slaughtered them? They ate. They sat around the table with their heads on sticks, eating, mm -hmm. eating, and saying, you I know heard what? the tribe down. I read that after the massacre in 1637 that um, they actually fasted. They didn't like eat anything. Yeah, they didn't actually even eat. They, so everyone, everyone's got it wrong. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, there was still a Thanksgiving commemorating a massacre of uh, 300 indigenous people or, or somewhere around there. But uh, I know the the first initial one that they always talk about that they they whitewash, especially mm -hmm. is the. I think it was it was the 1620s, where um, there there was like no feast really either. There was, but it was literally just the so-called pilgrims eating mm -hmm. and there was a very mutual suspicion of each other it was very um tense and very uh, it was just after like like um the wampanoag had like their literally had their ancestors graves robbed by by settlers mm -hmm. and they even settled on a piece of land where uh uh Squ squanto's tribe his name's actually Tisquantum where um, he, his tribe used to live, but they all died of disease and he was sold into slavery. And, some, and he made his way all the way back from Europe to, um, to there to find out that all his loved ones, everyone he ever knew it, had, had succumbed to diseases. I can imagine him crying. Yeah, me too. Like I can't imagine. Come home and all your family's gone and you're just like, and uh, yeah. did he escape on a boat? Yeah, he I, he took a boat back, I believe. So did he just like steal a boat and just like okay, creator guide me. Oh, that would make that would make him even cooler. See if he's a pirate. There's like the movie about him, like Squanto, Warriors Tale or something. I watched that with like my grandpa when I was little, huh. and like um, I don't I'm. It seemed like pretty accurate from the history I've learned, but I haven't rewatched it like 
since I was a kid. Yeah. I know uh, my uncle, my uncle Jason, uh, he's a Choctaw. He was telling me that Thanksgiving was basically just a celebration of bloodshed and that that's exactly what it is. They would kill people every Thanksgiving. And it got out of hand to the point where Abraham Lincoln apparently had to intervene and say, okay, we got to stop. Y'all got to stop this. This is too much. We can only do, you know, and uh, let's have this be one day instead of every day. Yeah. And I read here officially made it a holiday and during the Civil War after the Gettysburg battle. Yeah. And like, I mean, and he was hanging native people too, so it's kind of ironic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what he was like saying. That's what my uncle told me. And you know, I hate, I like, I remember when I was a kid, I used to be like, oh, Abraham Lincoln was a wonderful president because he freed the slaves. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. I thought it applied to all color people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then you hear about Dakota Thirty Eight, but then you're like, fuck Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know. Because I remember watching and hearing about the Dakota 38. It was like a documentary, and they were doing like a march to the site of the, of the hanging. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think there's even like a video clip of the hanging floating around somewhere. And I was disturbed by it. Well, yeah, uh, of course. Disturbed by it, you know, because, because to me, I'm like, what did, what did they do? You know, like, why did Abraham Lincoln do this? I'm like, you know, because to me, you tell you tell a black black man Abraham Lincoln was a piece of shit, they might get mad at you, you know, because mm-hmm. they free, you know, he freed them from the slaves. He freed them from slavery, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh it's like uh someone talking bad about Martin Luther King, except Martin Luther King didn't have bloodshed on his hand. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're saying like when Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving, it's it was kind of uh, like, okay, let's get together uh, around the one thing that we all agree on is is killing engines, right? Yeah. Because even at yeah, Buffalo, we, soldiers take part in the extermination of indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the Bob Marley song is about, Buffalo Soldier. You, you read the lyrics. Oh, really? Huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here I thought all Bob Marley bought, sung about was love and Jesus. And, and uh, weed. And, yeah. But I don't know. They, they more, and reggae, they more so talk about Ja and Celeste. Yeah. They, they have Jesus too. It's yeah, he's kinda, Rasta. Yeah, he's, he's Rasta. He's not Christian. It's closer yeah. to like Judaism and like Pan Africanism than, than like so, just so that's Christianity. What yeah. Yeah. I know the Rastafarians were talked about in that HR documentary. Yeah, because bad brains were uh, Jamaican. They were also Rasta. yeah, they do. They they have really good reggae songs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never like listened uh, to Leaving them. Babylon. Really good song. I never mm-hmm. listened to them heavily enough to you know say that I'm a reggae fan, but I respect it, Tony. Yeah, I love reggae, man. I I've even heard some like native reggae bands that a lot of natives love reggae. Oh, I, uh, cool. I know Snow was uh, telling me one of her friends used to be in the head metal, now they're in the reggae. So I was like, okay. I, mean, I like both. But me, I, I, I'm i okay with reggae. It's just I haven't heard enough of it to say that I'm a fan. 
I'm I used to not like it, but it's kind of grown on me. Yeah, with I don't know I'm a stoner, so I like roots reggae <laughs> and dub dub reggae. Oh yes, did you say dubber? Uh, dub Dubber. reggae. It, that's like a, it's like they um, they splice the song. They they make it slower, or like they make they'll add stuff to it, make it like ten times more trippy. So it's like even better to smoke too. Because I know, nice. uh, like I think one person that I like that did that did like this reggae metal fusion was uh, Skindred. Skindred. Ah, uh, I haven't heard of. And, uh, yeah, know, me either. Uh, anyway, uh, he, uh, the singer of that band was blending metal, like hard rock, heavy metal with reggae, reggae, and some. Have you ever heard of Dub War? No. Uh-uh. Okay, dang on. I thought I thought I thought he was well known. But anyway, he was big <laughs> in probably the early late two thousand tens. Cause I don't think I don't know where he is now, but anyway, he was singing. He do some reggae vocals, you know what I mean. And I liked it, you know. What I, mean? I liked it, liked the blend of it. And uh, I know some of some country singers, believe it or not, have messed around with a little bit of reggae. I know yeah. Zach Brown Band was an example. Of try they attempted to do some reggae, mm-hmm. but I don't think I can't. I I couldn't digest it. I think it was Eric Clapton who tried to cover. We I shot the sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Know, that uh, it's kind of ironic because Eric Coppins, like, did pretty big. Like, yeah. Racist. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's an and asshole. Then, mm-hmm. And then Rihanna, Rihanna did some reggae, right? Didn't Rihanna do reggae? Yeah, yeah. Well, Rihanna can't. I mean, she's Barbadian. Uh, yeah. No, she's the uh, Bar- same thing, West Indian. I should say uh, same thing. That's probably offensive. <laughs> oh, from the Caribbean? Yeah. Okay, yeah, thought, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. didn't know. And then uh, one of the girl, the singer from Ginger, was doing reggae, some reggae-like stuff in some of her songs. And know, uh, because mm-hmm. I've noticed the sound, because I pay attention to that sound, that very tropical sound, tropical kind of like. Yeah, of course, ska came out of reggae. I thought oh, yeah. ska was first, and then reggae. Oh no, you're right. You're right, Scott. I guess I'm thinking of like modern ska. ska. Like yeah, that ska like. That started really big in like this, like the fifties, sixties, like in Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Anyway, that's enough of our reggae conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to talk about how fucking horrible Thanksgiving is. And- yeah, Thanksgiving. Uh, if you guys don't know, um, to indigenous people, it's a day of mourning. There are many of us that do celebrate it um, because. A lot of us don't really know, don't really know or understand why it's hated. Because, because a lot of people we grow up with, I say that it's a day of gratitude. Let's give thanks for everything. Be mm-hmm. grateful for everything that we have. And me, I'm just kind of like, why don't you be thankful for what you got every day? Instead, of, why does it have to be a holiday to be thankful? You know. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, I was at work and I was telling uh. I was telling Tom, you know, how I felt about Thanksgiving, how I, would, how I didn't like Thanksgiving because it was a genocidal holiday and, and about how it affected my people. And uh, and he was like, no, 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 no. They, that's not what Thanksgiving about. People commercialize the genocide too much. And and I'm like, wait a minute now. Gen- genocide's never been commercialized. 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to sell like happy genocide day turkeys and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah like they, they whitewash it. Yeah, like to me, what's been sold for the last few hundred years was get together, bring your family and friends together, eat around the table, cut the turkey, pass it around, have a good time, and enjoy with your family for no apparent reason. Uh, <laughs> well, Thanksgiving is like. It, it, it pacifies the history of colonialism. You know, it, it, it makes it seem as though there was a time uh, when, you know, the, the interactions were, uh, were, were peaceful and really like the initial act of colonialism is inherently violent. Oh yeah. Um, it makes it seem more like uh, Greenland like, I don't think there was really a genocide in Greenland, but I mean, that's just a, an example. Um, yeah, but no, you're, you're right. Uh, it was, I think Washington first declared a Thanksgiving, but it wasn't a national holiday until Lincoln. Um, and then the myth of the, uh, um, you know, having to do with the, uh, the pilgrims interaction with um, the indigenous people is, uh, is, is very like kind of came along later it kind yeah. of picked up yeah. as a story to teach like school children yeah and i feel like you know because my we call it some of us we call it thanks taking because and you know i guess yeah. when you hear the word thanks taking first thing i think about it is okay they're in a way kill them all so we can we can like possess the land mm -hmm. that's what i hear you know what i mean and to me i guess that's what comes to mind when he told me Oh yeah, Thanksgiving, you know, it was so much bloodshed and all that. And I'm like, okay, so basically as they were expanding, they were killing people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, as they were like migrating and taking over different territories, they were killing the original inhabitants. Kind of like mm -hmm. that whole uh biblical story that I reference when I tell people, yeah, genocide was actually justified and abided by the biblical, by the Bible. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's probably what the colonizers used to justify genocide. Yeah, Talking definitely. About the whole situation. It's started a lot of myths. Like yeah. us being from the 13 tribes of Israel because oh, yeah, there's no explanation yeah. for why, they, why, why these people are here. So they went to something familiar to them. And to yeah. like a, and that's what Mormonism is kind of based on, too, yeah. is that the indigenous people are just like lost Jews. Yeah. You know? I had missionaries trying to tell me that like all like the the ruins in Mexico are like and like the, the pyramids and like, yeah. a testimony of like my ancestors and I was just, like, it was so full of shit. Oh, I've seen some crazy shit like uh, oh, like there was a guy. Oh yeah, no, I saw um, some footage of this guy having like a mental like a like a schizophrenic episode. Uh, and what's I mean, it sucks that like it was on like body cam footage from cops, which really shouldn't be the first end of uh, dealing with um, mental illness. Uh, but that happens for a lot of people. It's like so, somebody's claiming like the, the Mississippi River is actually the Nile River, um, and this whole thing is just Africa. So it's it, it's bringing like it's using like a, a lot of this stuff is like using an old world lens to kind of understand you know the quote unquote new world. And to me, like, the whole old world, like, oh, trying to understand everything, you know, mentality is outdated because you can't really use the Pangea mindset anymore because I don't think anybody, any of the humans from that time were alive then. 
Like, I believe. Yeah, that, what, no, the Pangea is a Hestian. Okay, I get the idea. Look, I have a Pangea tattoo, so I understand the idea of Pangea representing, you know, unity. But yeah, no, it was, it, it's, it's more just like um, uh, a geological um, estimate. It's a scientific estimate, but it's, um, you know, an estimate of, of how the continents used to look based on, um, you know, matching geological formations and, and uh, migration patterns. And yeah, Pangea didn't, like humans as well, homo sapiens as we think of them today weren't really um yeah, no, around like during Pangea. Like, they're like ancient, yeah. ancient, ancient, like yeah, this is a long ass time ago. This is way like pre two million, three million years old. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, when people do go into a psychotic breaks, I'm like, well, you weren't around when during that time. I and know. none of us were around. Our type of human wasn't around maybe like yeah, or dinosaurs like pre-humans were around you know yeah but, but like i said psychosis we... it all it all makes sense to you like you feel like the pieces are you know that like that's kind of what happens when you take a lot of uh lsd which <laughs> which i have done uh is that you know the yeah. patterns the pattern seeking part of your brain is going to um it's going to find like it's going to find a way to make something make sense when in reality we have a very imperfect kind of qualia the uh the wabanos had met and interacted with europeans over a century before the bill of rights and uh i thought that was interesting and and i already don't think of like the, the, the i don't think of american history in terms of uh the pilgrims i think that you know what sprang into like quote unquote Amer like American culture? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we 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 get a narrative about like the Pilgrims first, and then like Enlightenment era, um, a sort of like like uh, thought from uh, the ruling class, but really like a bulk of the people mm -hmm. that actually ended up settling in the Americas uh, were you know working class or or lower and just uh like you know it, it's, it's similar to like australia like there were convicts there were um you know mentally ill people there were like a bunch of people that were just like the the dregs of, of britain yeah like, shift off you know it was like a big penal colony with like people they they didn't want yeah yeah i was reading part of the another article about thanksgiving and um like how like they they really weren't fleeing religious persecution. They they were free to practice their religion in Holland. But oh uh, yeah, they, yeah 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 they were, the were scared of, of yeah they were scared of their kids becoming Dutch. becoming Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> no kid of mine would be a bloody Dutchman. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Papa, I have the wooden shoes. Right. I come home with the wooden <laughs> I, I, shoes. It's ironic, like they're like supposed to be fleeing religious persecution, but then they they come here and then they they start persecuting the, the indigenous people. Yeah, that yeah they have um, they they want freedom to persecute if anything, and um, you know so a lot of a lot of the the uh, natives including including um, Squanto and uh, um, Epinal and uh, Samoset. 
uh, they already spoke English just from previous like trading encounters. And um, mm-hmm. uh, Swanda was like uh, like uh, enslaved by the British, right? Yeah, and then he, uh, yep, yeah, he, he was gonna go help them um, settle Newfoundland, but ended up finding his way back to to what will become the Massachusetts. Yeah, I believe. And then he just found like the his whole former village just completely like decimated, depopulated. He was like the only survivor, and he found the the pilgrims or the Puritans living in uh in his uh, people's. Uh, what would would have been their summer village? Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of just and he showed them how to taught them how to grow native foods, taught them native mm-hmm. farming practices. Pretty much taught them how to survive. Even tried to get them to bathe, but they they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and apparently the pilgrims only made up like less than half of the hundred something on the Mayflower. Yeah, and like half of them died during the winter. And like, yeah, yeah, had they known what was going to happen, you know, they would be like, I'm not fucking helping you. <laughs> like, yeah. back, like at that point, they were vastly outnumbered. They really needed indigenous people to, to survive. Yeah. And that's the, like, I think that's the, um, something that should be remembered about, you know, quote unquote Thanksgiving is that, uh, like it, it, it was it was how quickly like within a generation uh the the pilgrims uh turned on them after you know they got to live on the land and they um you know were taught how they, they got aid from indigenous people and they um you know they they, they were taught how to grow native crops mm-hmm. uh otherwise they wouldn't have even survived and yet, just you know, this settler mentality uh, is is um, it still views them as uh, still views natives as um, uh, lesser people. And uh, yeah, so the Pilgrims uh, got uh, England's second charter. This was after um, Jamestown in Virginia, which was um, probably more historically significant i think because that was the model for um how the english would settle uh the uh the east coast like it wasn't all contained in um like the pilgrims don't represent like the american settlers anyway um oh yeah no uh and uh the original colony was cape cod uh but they were driven out by the uh the Nauset, i think was the uh the tribe like but within a month and yeah um, yeah they originally meant to land in um hudson valley uh to engage in like fur trading like the dutch were already doing so again like the dutch were already there like the like the natives of new england would have already been well familiar with europeans yeah they yeah and most of the encounters before that point were very volatile you know yeah legs that were, were spreading that they didn't, weren't sure where we're coming from, but I'm pretty sure they were able to put two and two together. And um, there was also like the enslavement, like what happened with the uh, Tis Quantum, you know, that happened yeah. like many people that even like, uh, like, cause it all coalesced into King Philip's war with yeah. uh, 
Matt Fizzoit's one, I think his grandson, where um, he res- took up arms to, to resist them. But by at that point, like they they were so outnumbered, even though he had a coalition of, of, uh, of Wampanoag and, and, and I think other tribes, but fighting with them, you know. Oh, yeah, against the French. And uh, he was fighting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he was fighting the, the English, though, mainly. Because oh, you're, like, you're, oh, you're talking about the King Philip. I'm sorry. Yeah, King Philip's War. Yeah, where, yeah, where yeah, they, yeah. No, they're capturing right. him and decapitating him and displaying his yeah, head. Yeah, put his head in a pike for like. Yeah, it's years. so fucked up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So no, the tree. Yeah, the tree was broken when. Um, uh, which was originally like, you know, uh, brokered by uh the Wampanoag. Um. It, that that was broken like within a generation when when three natives were killed for allegedly murdering uh, a translator um and uh, that war actually claimed like uh, according to some estimates about half the native population of new england which remember like would have already been uh decimated by disease at that point uh mm-hmm. which some estimates would have put it like 90 percent uh, yeah like whole villages were lucky two people survived yeah no it's it, it's crazy like so within like you know the first uh few decades of um the settlers being there uh you know we're, we're down to like five percent of the native population of new england it was like that in mexico too with uh like the the epidemic started spreading fast through throughout yeah like the whole territories and like you, they kept having outbreaks like even like like decades after there were there was still like as colonization was spreading throughout like mexico Anahuac and then the mayan territories and all, all those places you know yeah and at first they might have not known what was happening uh but like they just called it like the indian disease or something like that mm-hmm. but i mean it, it, there's evidence that you know, well into the, uh, the 18th century, uh, you know, th- this was being used as a tactic of war and, and genocide, like yeah. deliberately hand- handing, you know, diseased blankets to, um, uh, you know, the native people. Yeah, there was, there's like letters from the 1700s where like uh, they talk like, yeah, we, we gave them blankets infected with smallpox. We don't know mm-hmm. how effective it was, but either way like but these still like decimated these populations horrendously mm-hmm. the uh there, there was a celebra- celebratory feast marking the uh successful harvest which again wouldn't have been like successful without the wampanoags but the wampanoags weren't invited to it they didn't show up until they heard the gunshot gunfire you know they heard the fucking like uh pilgrims were just like you know firing guns into the air like celebratory but like they showed up ready for war you know yeah and of course um thanksgiving was rooted in uh, the you know old pagan rites which were adapted by the um the christians uh and and uh yeah, it uh, it was also celebrated in in Virginia even earlier than um, 
1621. Yeah, was it Jamestown like 1607? Yeah, Jamestown was uh, was earlier, and um, yeah, James, Jamestown was, was was first. And every yeah, every Thanksgiving, the, sorry, go on. Oh, and, the, and the, you had the the Spaniards in Florida in the 1500s. Yeah, you had the Dutch, you had the Spanish, you had the French, uh, all, all of all of this before, like the Pilgrim Settlement. Which, I mean, tying that to um, American history, like the history of the United States, has always been weird to me. Yeah, me um, too. I feel like the real history starts with the brutal colonization in in uh, in the Caribbean because that's where it got hit first and. Oh yeah, yeah. Even before that, you had the Canary Islands in North Africa in 1476 that were colonized by the Spanish, very brutally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so every Thanksgiving ordained by a governor in the century since um, the settlers uh, uh, actually burned the um, a Wampanoag village in uh, 1637. Yeah. Um, that's that's what's being commemorated by the um, by the Declaration of Thanksgiving was that it was in honor of um, you know that the like, victory quote unquote yep yeah they literally massacred 300 Wampanoag people and mm-hmm. uh, yeah and then they fasted after had a Puritan fast yeah that's the ironic it thing is Turkey that, yeah <laughs> it was the opposite of a feast. Yeah, it's so messed up. Like, that's why. Like, I don't guilt people like like if they eat or anything, but I, you know, they they damn well should know the the real history and unlearn the lies our, our teachers told us. And yeah, in kindergarten, and um, yeah, and I hate the the whole dress up shit too. Like, uh, where they they put on the little oh, yeah, to reenact headdresses yeah. and shit, and then like that they they re reenact the colonial narrative that's why i like the adams family movie where uh wednesday is giving the whole speech about about pretty much like the real fucked up roots of it that they are celebrating genocide there still are indigenous people that are being oppressed and and um whose land was forcibly taken and um and then they just attack, and I love, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, like, I don't know. I, it's like the freaking big three around these time zones with um, Halloween and everything, like everyone, and then Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah, Americans have those, uh, those three kind of blocked together. Um, and it's all just become, obviously, about, you know, consumerism. But... Uh, I think what I've been looking into is the, the day of mourning, which I didn't really realize was a thing until recently. Yeah, um, it's been since like the, I think the 70s with the, 70s. or the 80s, yeah. or it was the 90s. So I remember like a Wampanoag descendant giving a speech about, about yeah. it. I think it was for the, the, like 400 year anniversary of, of, of the, of it. Yeah. Well, 2021 would be the 400 year anniversary of, um, so that's, that's the, 
this one. But I think, um, yeah, no, he was actually like uninvited for that speech from the actual um, like Massachusetts um, feast uh, after Governor gave that speech. Um, and then they started doing this, um, this day of mourning outside of the Plymouth Rock. Um, I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, and they have a lot of them have like Native American heritage today. Although, like the whole month, they, they oh, the whole month. Yeah, that's true. There's there's a transforming narrative about Thanksgiving. I think. Yeah, and it's a, it's refreshing that you know the truth's getting out there. Yeah. What sort of stuff do you make on Thanksgiving? I usually do the mashed potatoes because that's simple. And I'm not like, <laughs> it's not that I can't cook. It's that I um, like my creativity doesn't really extend into the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like I don't get ideas to do things. I like cooking. I mean, I like learning new recipes. You know, I like learning, uh, incorporating indigenous foods too. That's into cool. like my diet because I'm big on the foodways and decolonizing diet growing our own garden, becoming self-sufficient, reconnecting with the, with the earth. But uh, I, I like I, the I idea make, of that. Yeah, I really make, uh, I make good huevos rancheros. That's one Ooh, of my, I love that. my, that's one of my go-tos, yeah. Everyone everyone loves it. It's all about the, the ranchero sauce. You make that good, the rest is just easy. Yeah, yeah. we've just been doing basic stuff lately. My sister's been sick, been in the, been in the hospital with fever. Oh shit! Trying to break. Yeah, she got a stomach bug. So, damn. Just trying to get her better. Right. Yeah. Make chorizo. Yeah, oh, I love chorizo. chorizo. Con huevo a lot. Yeah. I thought about that. There's a lot of stuff you can do with it. You like fry some potatoes, then add some onions and like bell peppers, yeah. saute that shit, and mm. freaking then you add the chorizo. Cook that up. Add the eggs. You put some cheese on top. It's eat it with some tortillas or flashcali and nawa. It's so good. But yeah, that's one of my go-to's for breakfast too. A lot, a lot of eggs. You, make, you can do so much with it. So tell me more about decolonizing diet. Well, with a lot of it, I feel like a lot of it, you know, is like learning the you learn the names of the plants learn like the traditional knowledge associated with with a lot of them right and like um, a lot of it's like just reconnecting with 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 that and like yeah. reestablishing that that relationship especially if it's one that's been severed like like with us like like when the spaniards came they uh prohibited like using amaranth because we huh. use it in like a lot of our ceremonies uh yeah now it's Hawatli. And um, they, they would like make like dough effigies of like Huitzilopochtli with, with it during certain festivals. And like uh, the Spaniards saw that and were like, yeah, you're not gonna, you can't grow that anymore. And a lot of them like went extinct almost. And uh, now, and it's a really healthy food. It's a super food. Like it's like, you can make tortillas with it too. You can make dough with it. There's, there's a, a lot you can, can do with amaranth and it's, it, it's really, really good food. And it looks very beautiful when you grow it. I have some, 
I have three different types. I got orange, red, and yellow pawatli um, that I want to plant and start growing and harvest the dough, make, make dough effigies like my ancestors, things like that. I never really tried gardening. I want to, like, especially yeah, like, like three sisters, like traditional, like native uh, practices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the three sisters are, are corn and then what else? Uh, corn, beans, squash, three sisters. Corn, beans, and squash. I like two of those. And not as much as a squash guy. Like I love squash, bro. <laughs> it's so, like, like, have you had it like in stew? Uh, like, yeah, no, it's not bad. Stew. Or, I guess I mean like squash, like by itself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like a lot of the times I'll just like I'll mix it with like beef or something or corn, sometimes okay. both, and it turns out really good, especially if you like cut it up, fry it. Yeah. Yeah, I like yellow, green, both good. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of good books about about native foodways. I still need yes. to read some of them. Like I like braiding sweetgrass is a really good one about okay. like how she. I, I think she's an ethnobotanist. Like she uh she was studied because um, she learned from like being a kid growing up around like um, traditional foods and mm -hmm. such like that. But then like she uh went to college and learned like the the western way of seeing like like bot like uh botany and stuff and she wanted to she was the whole books about like how like indigenous wisdom can go and knowledge of yeah. traditional yeah, plants of course they were they've been there way longer they, their cultures yeah. would know the, the crops of the land and there's another book i'm reading it's like it's a it was made uh, it was written by uh, um, the unlikely piece at Kuchumaki, uh, the parallel lives of plant of people as plants keeping the seeds alive by Martin Pretzel. Huh. Like he went uh, he moved to El Salvador but and like lived in a traditional like Mayan village mm -hmm. and like uh, met a wife had had kids there but then like the the civil war happened or i think it was guatemala i don't think it was el salvador but yeah he they had to end up fleeing the 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 genocide and civil war that broke out there and went back to because I, I believe he's from he was uh from one of the pueblos in new mexico but yeah that's a that's a really profound book yeah quite a few other ones that i got some of them are in my closet i ran out of freaking book space on my desk that's always good I mean, yeah, I have way too many books. I don't. <laughs> but you can never I have, have too many. I have so many books that I want to read that I have. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of a slow reader. I like to take it all in. Yeah, me too. I like to, like, so I'll read, I'll reread a paragraph or a page or a chapter if I feel like. Oh, I, yeah, I, just to make sure. Out of it. Yeah. And yeah, I had, like, uh, I actually brought out my, my more, uh, indigenous um uh foodways books and stuff out more so i could like finally uh, like read them because i have all these books but i haven't read them yet Oop, there is is. Recording. okay 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 we're back <laughs> Sorry. i was like what what's going on
we were talking about um, uh, diet, actually. Diet? Yeah, indigenous yeah. food ways. Three sisters. Wait, when, when did we get on diet? It's appropriate for Thanksgiving conversation, right? Yeah, oh, okay. it's yeah. because they, they fucking took, they stole like squash and shit from us. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah like they, they raided the cornfields from the Wampanoag. Corn. They made a lot of ancient corn dye. Because corn used to come in all kinds of colors. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, still yeah. Bad. Yeah, it wasn't the, the, uh, the domesticated. It's not the word because it's not an animal, but collectively grown. Yeah, yeah. like in like the huichol in Mexico, they have so many different varieties of heirloom mm-hmm. corn, and it's like really really healthy for you like a lot of yeah. people are studying it to, and even like i think the mexican government decided to phase out a lot of the gmo corn and, and to preserve the 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 more traditional types of uh corn that are growing yeah yeah that's good they, they, they got yeah like yeah. Uh, so many colors yeah. oh i love the colors i want to try all of them Right, the that purple one, green one, blue one, red one. Like, because I remember, I remember growing up, and everyone used to say, "Oh, the different color corns you can't eat; they're just for decoration." But I'm like, "Well, what the fuck's the point of growing it then?" (laughs) Yeah, I saw some of that. So I'm like, "This is only decorative." I'm like, "I'm gonna eat this shit." (laughs) That's what I want to do. You know, I'm like, "Why are you gonna buy? Why? Why are you gonna plant something that's only for decoration?" Yeah, like I have I blue don't corn. Know. But like I, you're keeping, but yeah. that, it's, it's for eating and like making blue corn mush and blue, right. blue corn tortillas. I love, mush. I love yeah. blue corn. And uh, Matt, you got to try blue corn mush. <laughs> I, I guess I do. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I had it when I was on the Navajo res. We had uh, blue corn mush. You can put salt or sugar in it. I prefer to put sugar in it, make it sweet. Or you yeah. put salty, you like a little salty. Is it like, so I guess that would be similar to like a rice pudding type thing. I don't know. No, kind of. I guess kinda. you say that. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> rice pudding bomb. I never the, had rice pudding. I mean, I think they have it at Walmart, bro. You can buy do. some. I just That's never buy it. Try it, bro. It's good. It's just fucking, especially like after like, like as a dessert, so good. Mm-hmm. God, I know I heard of horchata. It tastes a lot like horchata. Because I, I be in the mall, and that's what I'll be in the freezer section, and I'll see it, i be like, mm, I want to try this one. Because I'll see, like, the picture of it, and it'll have, like, cinnamon on top of it. And I'll be like, mm, that looks so good. <laughs> and uh, have you had rice pudding, Matt? Yeah. It's good. Uh-huh. I mean, it's I, there's not a lot to it, but it's, it's good. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I need to try it in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know, uh, what's that thing called? Oh, yeah, did, did y'all, did, for our listeners, did y'all know that, that, that there was some rice that was grown over here and that people are, like, kind of bringing it back? There's rice yeah, over like, here. Like, yeah, the Anishinaabe, like, with the yeah. rice, the wild rice fields, that's, like, a lot of what Line 3 has to do with. They're, they're desecrating, you know. Yeah, um, and... Ancient and, um, rice fields have been there for 
you know, centuries if not thousands of years. I think C. Hayson and Victor over there protesting it because I know C. Hayson is always posting shit about her uh, having doing all having experience in all this uh, traditional indigenous uh, lifestyle and uh, you know because they showed them like butchering a buffalo doing all kinds of different very you know traditional um indigenous activities you know like from harvesting food and all that to chopping wood and whatever you know that's what i've seen seen from what she'd be posting all the time and apparently there's like apparently lennon has his own lemonade company Oh, the lemonade stuff. Yeah, they sell it. Yeah, like, I was like, uh, what the fuck? Like, I never heard there was a lemonade. Lemonade. Or like, uh, fuck. Where, 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 where is the place with the big soda section? The the Mass General stores and shit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, there's lemonade. There's also uh, when I got Havana Banana, which is uh, like, um, you know, it's like Shea and, and Castro themed and shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so something I would try. I want to try that lemonade. You know. I think there was, I think there was an orange juice one too, but I forgot. Oh, since we're on the topic um decolonizing diet, have you guys tried like prickly pear lemonade? Oh, uh, I haven't tried it, but nah. I want to. It's good, bro. You gotta try it. Try it with like some freaking what? like like a popover or like a red chile. It'd be so good, or uh, native burger. Oh, I haven't had one of those in a while, man. Native burger. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into it. They call it. They know there's the whole controversy because there's like a lot of people are like, it's a oh, Apache burger, but it's a Navajo burger. Oh, <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm, I'm just gonna avoid all of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's indigenous yeah, so. burger. <laughs> I did not know that native burger is still a thing. Today, because yeah. if you say Indian tacos over yeah. here, man. You're gonna yeah. get into you're gonna end up getting into a fight with somebody. Yeah, uh, yeah, like that too. Those things, but you know, oh, tacos, and they taco. <laughs> did you know? Did you know the Pueblos have their own chili, their own chili peppers? I've, I've yeah, heard that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ross told me that he grows the Pueblo chili, you know, oh, and yeah? it's different yeah. from the hot the hatch chili. Oh, that sounds so good. I love hatch. Like the green chili, yeah. So, so he's got hit. So the Pueblo apparently have their own type of chili. I have some oh. seeds of like uh, chili that grows along the border, that was like kind of endangered, and like it's supposed to be like, like a little hotter than like a jalapeno. Okay. So, like I'm excited to grow those and try them out. Yeah. Now, what do y'all you, do think that uh, civilization? You know what I mean? With everything that's happening, right? Do you think the future is everyone is going to uh, go back to like growing their own food and just kind of like living off the land and learning how to like learn, living in a more in an agricultural based society? I don't know. Um, I, think I think that, that very often. I feel like that's the future because I keep seeing young indigenous people. Learning how to grow food and starting all these. I mean, that's kind of what Graeber talks about too. It's like people just simply like walking away from capitalism. You know, 
Well, I'm for it. I am too, yeah. but I'm, I'm definitely for it. You know, I think reconnecting with those seeds and with like foods our ancestors yeah. grew and, and helped us survive. Oh, I definitely think know, that's I a think good thing. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, because I feel I like the reason why like a lot of us don't care about the land because we don't really do anything to the land. We don't yeah, tell we don't the land. Yeah. We don't connect with like, the land. Yeah, we've been isolated or alienated. Yeah, because you know, like, you know, people, you know, we literally, we do all this because, you know, we don't appreciate the land. We just like, okay, we can throw this piece of trash on the ground. No, you know, you know, we don't know the environmental impact, you know what I mean? Or anything. But you know, that, yeah. Whereas if we were or like, anything going into the landfill, like, the, yeah. You know, like, like, if we were, <laughs> were like agricultural, more agriculturally in tune with the land, like, you know, we have everyone had a garden, and they taught they were taught how to take care of the garden and take care of the land, and what's not to put on the guard in the garden. Then I feel like people would care a little bit more about the land. Dude, what if there was like, uh, like a a, 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 a a like tribe of people that just like went feral and like lived on the Pacific garbage patch. That I wouldn't be surprised if that actually exists because I feel like that exists in the terms of the homeless community. Oh, um, yeah, no, but there is also like a massive, like, uh, like New South Wales sized Pacific garbage patch, like in the middle of the Pacific. I, well, at the, but, I know there's know. already people trying to build bricks out of garbage. Yeah, someone, everything is garbage, man. Well, I feel like more of like that agricultural, semi-industrial world would be the way to go. And I put semi. Right. Like we're talking about a future. Like that's that's a future that would be the alternative to. Um, yeah, like, like that solar primitivism like we're talking, talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, because to me, I feel like that solar punk world you were talking about was very agriculturally in tune. I feel like before the invaders got here, we were basically in a solar punk world. Yeah. Yeah, or like a proto-solar punk. Yeah. Yeah, and now we're just in this kind of cyberpunk, capitalist, dystopia, purgatory nightmare. Yeah, it is a bit like, it is a purgatory. You know what I mean? Because Everything is good depending on your status in the world. Mm. Everything is not good if depends on your status of your uh, where your status is in the world. Yeah, you know, if you're at the bottom, you're suffering. If you're in the mm. middle, you're doing okay. And also, mm. I feel like you know, there's also something else that I've noticed is kind of happening, is that people aren't really moving out and living on their own like they used to. Like, like for example. No. Everybody is kind of like living together, kind of like in one little space, you know. Like you still live with your parents, and then Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and you know, and to me, that's the new normal. And and uh, like you work, you do, you know, you help around, but you know, you still live with your mom and dad because of the fact the conditions society has, the the conditions of society right now, which. One person can't make it on their own. You know? Yeah. And uh, 
And to me, I feel like that's kind of like some tribal-like thing that's happening. It looks bad, but it's kind of something that's ancient. You know what I mean? Because I feel like in old indigenous tribes back in the day, you know, everybody lived together. Mm -hmm. You know Yeah, there wasn't this sort of like, yeah, the nuclear family, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very blended family, you know? Like yeah. his husband would go live with his woman's woman and her family or something like that. I don't, you know, what do you think, Andre? I mean, you, it was like that with like uh with the Indian people like uh, Apaches. Yeah. Um they like the the when a marriage would happen, the the husband would go live with the the wife and her family. And um hmm. that that would be become like their um uh, their gota, which just means like a family cluster, and like the, the home itself, like the wiki up, is what they call it in English, like a gawa. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very matrilinear. Linear. It's a bit. It's a lot different with with uh, with my ancestors. Um, it was more um, like usually um, like land was everyone there had land and. There was no homelessness or anything like that. It was um, distributed, like there was like hierarchy, but it, at the same time, everyone still had a um, land to till, unless like you'd had a lot of success in like warfare and like taken mm-hmm. captives, then you would rise up like through the ranks, and you would uh, you'd have like like a like a bigger. Um, like plot for you but everyone had like their plot of land to like live on and grow grow food and like yeah. um and and on uh, like i said you know i feel like the future is agricultural like an agricultural solar pump well that'll have to be an element of it like we can't live without the earth yeah we have like yeah. chinampas mm. yeah i feel like we should I do that feel- more What's chinapas? Um, it's a method of farming where um, pretty much you make an artificial um, like plot and then you grow, um, you can grow anything on it. Usually like you'll get like super fertile soil from like the lake beds. And yeah, um, yeah you'd use that and then you'd be able to grow stuff on it. That's how um, how the, the Mexicas were able to, were able to feed like over 200,000 people mm. because of this very ingenious method of farming. It's mm. still done to this day, too. There's still chinampas and uh, Lake Texcoco and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think that's wonderful, you know what I mean? Because I feel like because we don't know how to take care of the land, because we don't know what to do with our land, that we don't care, and as a result, you know, we we suffer. We suffer. And if we knew how to tend to the land, take care of the land, had a connection with the land, and I, I think, you know, there would be no severe suffering as much, you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't be too bad, you know? Right. You know what I mean? Like, you'd occasionally have a famine here and there, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, And these but, aren't, like, anti, anti-technological societies, you know? Yeah. You know, and I feel like that connection needs to be rekindled. And I feel like yeah. Thanksgiving, in a way, may have disconnected us from that because, you know, 
somewhere along the way, I feel like there was a disconnection that had occurred during those times. Because when they were removing us, you know, they took our plants, they made them extinct. And they basically wrote a history where, where we it looked like we didn't have anything, that we were pitiful yeah, people and eating rocks and shit. Exactly. You know, in reality, Turtle Island was very rich with all kinds of beautiful fruit, fruit, vegetables, mm-hmm. animals, you know what I mean? But seed extinction. Because yeah, I, I heard, I heard, the only, I heard somewhere the only North American fruit is blueberries. Uh, the only natively, I bet I could be. Pawpaw is, pawpaw is indigenous. Is that a fruit? I heard that like with strawberries and certain types of berries too. Lots oh, of okay. them are, are native to here. Huh. But to me, I think it just depends on the region. You know what I mean? Because all regions have their own types of fruit. Yeah. You know Definitely. what I mean? So you can't sit here and say that, oh, well, this only grows in America. no. Oh, I mean, it does. It does grow here, but I mean, like, like, did it like naturally grow here? Yeah, like tomatoes grew came from us, like the I first tomato sauces and stuff. Like, uh, oh, you're talking. Uh, oh, I thought. You, uh, sorry, I, I I heard turtle island in my head. Thought like North America. Oh yeah, yeah. no. Like yeah. to me, I feel like there was a lot more, lot more vegetables and fruit growing than people think they are, and that. The white man has been saying it, so that way we don't look at as advanced as we appear. Yeah, it's like, oh no, I'm talking like I'm not like a geographic determinist, you know. Like I, I, I get, I get that. Yeah, the word yeah. tomato comes from now. Like, oh, oh, okay. Because they good. over here and somewhere on the Navajo reservation, didn't they grow peaches or apricots? I believe so. There's apricots a there's a, yeah, there was an indigenous ethnobotanist that's trying to to save um indigenous uh peach trees and stuff like that. And I, yeah, I would love and to do to that. Me, Plant them out here. To me, I would love to have some indigenous peach cobbler. Oh, that'd be so good, man. I love peach cobbler. Yeah, indigenous peach cobbler. How we how how we think that man? (laughs) Uh, Does it taste like other? Does it taste like any other kind of uh, peach cobbler? Uh, we don't know. We'll find out. We'll we'll get you some. We're gonna we'll eat we'll eat one. (laughs) And uh, because to me, I like I want to. I need to get a book on um indigenous fruits and vegetables. Yeah, it'd be cool to do like a special on that. Be like, here is the pawpaw. It tastes like a banana and a custard, and it's in the pulp. You can, you know, make ice cream. Yeah, braiding sweetgrass is a good book for that. Really talks really in depth about the um, meaning of plants and like um, seeds, and just like how indigenous scientific. Like indigenous knowledge and, and science, you know, they can go hand in hand and enhance each other. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about getting that book. I know she has another book called Moss, something about moss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to get that one. That was really good. I have another one called like uh, Enduring Seeds. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because to me, like, because, you know, nothing that'd be really cool is just to see like, just imagine going going back in time and realizing, wait a minute, 
the paintings were wrong. There was like little markets of fruits and vegetables. And you go through that market and you get a vegetable or a fruit or something. Uh, like no, that. I, that was definitely that was definitely the case. I mean, it wasn't it was like that was definitely the case with um uh plenty of plenty of tribes in the Americas. Yeah, because I feel like you know, you you pop up, you know, it wasn't all the painting, you know, because the pain is you just see a bunch of well, yeah. you know, them arriving and encountering the colonists and all this and that, you right. know. Yeah. And the colonists uh look out look look more they, they make the colonists look, look more sophisticated than the indigenous people. Oh and yeah. Of to me, I'm just imagining, okay, they pop them at oh, look at this village. This is interesting. Then they show That's up and almost definitely like the market the and they're trading wampum and all this and that for tomatoes and this and that. Yeah. When you look for at yeah. and that is kind of the history that like Thanksgiving to an extent propagates. Yeah, and you know, it makes me wonder like uh Wonder what indigenous foods they had around the table. Are potatoes uh, native to the Americas? Yeah, South America. Like yeah, the first place yeah, they yeah. came and then went upwards through trade. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and turkeys here, right? Yeah, yep. turkey. Yeah, turkey native. Yeah, even like uh, we even have like a deity called like uh, Chuck. Chunchiwi Totolin, which is like a, means the jeweled fowl, who's a one of a, the tail that, that that's um, associated with the turkeys. Apparently, it's a, a symbol of, of powerful sorcery, which is you never <laughs> look at a turkey and think that nowadays. <laughs> but it's interesting. I don't know. They're weird birds. They're, they are, they're man. Kind of crooked looking things. Yeah, those, tur those wild turkeys in Holliston, man. There's wild turkeys. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I've seen them. I've come. I've, I've drove down to my mama's house, and I've seen a turkey in the middle of the road, standing there. Yeah, crossing the road. Cause I know the colonists brought the chicken, didn't they? I think. Yeah, so. they did. I think yeah, they I brought the chicken so. and the pig, and the pig, and then the turkey was here. And I guess they were like this. Well, that chicken ain't good enough. We need to kill that giant bird over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to know how they baked that that turkey. Did they use tamales. the wood? Uh, uh, we make tamales with some with the meat sometimes. That's one way that turkey was prepared back in the pre-Columbian times. Mm. What they just wrapped the turkey in like corn husk? No, not the whole the, the meat after you cook it. <laughs> Hey, I, hey that, would, that would be delicious. <laughs> yeah. like every um, Nawa home usually had a hearth in the middle. So that's where you'd be doing all the cooking and stuff, except for like mm -hmm. ceremonies. Because mm -hmm. they, they would make like ceremonial meals and use certain foods as offerings. Yeah, out of curiosity, like with food, you know, ceremonial food offerings, right? How did you know the offering was taken? Um, sometimes it would be eaten after a certain point in the ceremony and it would be like you're ingesting that food after it's blessed and sometimes they still do that okay or, I used to think you just sit there and rot I mean even maybe even that way too because we have like 
like a goddess that's called the Eater of Filth, Basalteo. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm not sure. Like, if, if like I know like offerings of food are made to her, but. But yeah, sometimes it'd be burned too. It would just be burned during the ceremony and that would be offered that way. I'm trying, yeah, that, that makes sense. You know what I want to know? I keep, there's this ritual in my head. And I don't know if it's just a suit because, you know, my people, we're suit, we're suit on people, right? Relatives uh-huh. to the suit. Right. And I'm wondering if this is where it's coming from because I think, because like if I was a hunter, right? Mm-hmm. I would uh, take a piece of the meat, yeah, and burn it or burn it and give it back to the creator. That's like a thank you. Yeah, that's a thank you. I don't know because I know I saw somewhere where someone would take the heart out of the animal and they put yeah. it in like the stove or the the fire where the fire is burning and let it burn. Uh. and that was them giving the creator. And, or like giving the creator the uh, animal, a part of the animal as a thank you. Wow, that's that's so interesting. But to me, it made more sense. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I thought yeah. about that too. Like, like what happened, like with the food, especially in things where like they just kind of cut off, and we don't have the full context, like historically. Yeah. Because, you know, all we have, we got little bits and pieces, fragments, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and, you know for me, you know, like, my fam- all my family, you know, we hunt, but we never do that kind of ritual. I'm like, well, you know, if I was a hunter, right, you know, yeah. how would I, how what would I do differently? You know, and I've said, you know, I'd probably bring that ritual back, take the heart out or something inside the, the animal and burn it. You know, like burn it and give it back to the creator. You know, yeah. And like with the animal, you know, I would be, you know, as I'm like, you know, when I kill it upon first sight, you know, as it's like taking his last breath, I would thank the animal for its sacrifice to feed me and my family and clothe me, and whatever. And, you know, and to me, I feel like that's a good ethic to have. You know, it's kind of like a ceremonial thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I've what seen that like with like hunt, with like hunting deer like mm-hmm. um usually like you um uh, some some tribes there's like ritual preparation before you go on a hunt like with the wicho actually they call themselves wisharita I believe nah, mm-hmm. that's wicho is the colonial term more so and um mm-hmm. yeah and with the yoeme the yakus as as they're known more more popularly as they they would um prepare like do ceremonies before they'd hunt and then like you'd ask um permission like from the from the animal and you, you use all of it too you know the hide the yeah. meat everything and like yeah. yeah like i've heard lots of uh taboos like with like when it comes to the hunting especially with, with the apaches like in a and day people yeah there's a lot like you can't kill um if you if there's a doe and then and she's pregnant you're not supposed to hunt them only the bucks mm-hmm. yeah i've heard that too but yet some yeah for some odd reason these these other people were like kill it anyway mm-hmm. 
Oh. And I feel like those people that do that are just thrills or just cold hearted killers. Yeah, they just yeah. do it for sport. And like they won't even they'll just take the the head. They won't they'll just let leave the meat to rot. Just like they would yeah. do with bison back in the day. They just take the hides oh, and just leave everything I, and I remember being so sad. I was watching We Shall Remain and they showed that. Oh yeah, no. They, they showed it, and then they showed like it was shoot the buffalo. The next thing you see them making the the belt, and then they lead the meat yeah. to rot. And yeah. I felt, and I was that was heartbreaking to me because I felt sorry for the animal, and I felt mm. sorry for the piece. Yeah, I said that was a waste of sacrifice. It is, man, and it's just disrespectful to the, to the animal. And they say like if you like you you like leave meat behind or anything like that you know you're gonna it's gonna affect like the the future of, of hunting it's gonna be a lot harder because the animals right. won't come as freely to you yeah and you know that whole the whole bison situation in the great plains was a big reason you know why they did the whole railroad thing because the goal was okay well if we kill all the hunting supplies you know they can't survive Kill them all through starvation. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, it's heartbreaking. It is. That's why, like, that's why like, I have mixed feelings on hunting. Like, I like, you know, I'm, I like meat, but at the same time, I don't like trophy hunting. I'm not, I'm against trophy hunting. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. crouching, you know, because to me, it's just wasted sacrifices. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then people talk about population control. I'm like, how would you feel if you were hunted? You know, that's what I think about. I yeah. think about that. How, how would yeah, you feel? Yeah, that's always creepy. Yeah. How would you feel if you were hunted yeah, stuff and put in someone's house? Kind of a reactionary uh, talking point, the whole like uh, overpopulation thing, you know? Yeah, because to me, the human human race populates more than the animals do now yeah well and the animals that we use are are populated uh, because yeah too. yeah but i also feel like sometimes they become minorities you know and mm-hmm. i'm like you know what if we would have oh yeah plenty of species uh we're, we're that's what i mean it's like we are the population control for other animals yeah yeah you know you know, because I remember I was working on a story called Cannibal. Mm-hmm. And the story was basically that orphans, orphans, elderly people, and homeless people were being, were being, were disappearing without a trace. But guess what they were turning into? They were turning into meat. Mm. They were being butchered, oh turned into meat. And I guess that would mean that would mean their set the, the 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 sacrifice wasn't wasted, I guess. Yeah, they became the sacrifice. And so basically just imagine you go into the grocery store and there's something that looks like hamburger, but it's not hamburger. Right. You know what I mean? Imagine that, you know. And uh and how disturbing that would be. And then you go to go to the store and you get your girlfriend a purse. But it's not a red. Then you be like, your girlfriend's like, "Ooh, this is very different. This is very different leather." And then mm-hmm. later on, you find out, "Oh wait, that's human flesh." 
Yeah. You know, like I like I like I think about writing stories like that. I haven't finished that story because to me, I don't like me. I just want to write it and not have no like confrontation. I just want want to like write it and be like, yeah, this could happen. Think mm-hmm. something to think about, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about land, food, indigenous diet, Thanksgiving's bloody history. And I think we gave it enough to say, everyone, we it's okay to eat. But remember, remember this. It's okay to eat. It's okay to eat. <laughs> yeah. Remember the real like takeaway. You can literally eat. You can eat anything. No, you can't eat anything. Yeah. Yeah, you can eat any day, but just remember this. Remember the sacrifices of those who died during that bloody holiday. And don't just sit here. Oh, don't worry, genocide jokes are a key for our, our, our family tradition here. Yeah. So when you say Thanksgiving, just take a moment of silence to remember those that died before yeah. you dig into that turkey. Yeah, remember like all the colonial narratives, the whitewashing of history, you know, it needs, it needs, yeah. it needs to end. You know, that well, it's going to be, I mean, if you think about it, uh, decolonization for, for um, settlers is quite literally unsettling, you know? It's, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I describe so it's, it as. It's what it should feel like. And it's, it's the experience, uh, like, because as a, it's even more than just decolonizing your mind, right? Like it's political. Um, well, you're agenda. reprogramming your mind. Yes, yes, decon. Yeah, that, that's really what decolonization is. It's there's also like a political project, mind, you know, unlearning toxic habits that's been passed down in your family for generations. Right. Unlearning racism, all of these things that you used to that's, think that's, like that's the, that's the starting. Point. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're unlearning them and it's rough it's rough because you, you know you're over here you know first you're beating yourself up for thinking about it but then another part of you is saying you know what i'm a human being you know the next generation can be better than me and i'm gonna teach my son to not be like i used to be you know you know it's a healing thing for us because you know we're going to be the parents of the next generation and we have our children or whatever, we're going to teach them the decolonized views that we have learned and teach them yeah. and teach them, un, you know, make, create like a line where they don't have those toxic habits we used to have. Mm-hmm. Right, Andre? Right, that's what I'm going to be teaching my daughter. She's going to know the truth. Never going to freaking out, let her freaking. Yeah. Getting filled, filled with like lies about, especially about history that that happened to, our, to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let me check my Insta. Ooh, better check my Twitter too. Having selfie in days. People must think I am melting away. Life online is the best. Everyone can find my flex. I cannot wait for what's next. Yeah, just plug me into the net. When computers go down, pull your head from out of the cloud. A virus infiltrates your tower. You can't surf, there's a drought. We're draining my rehearsed power. Heading for me to your showers. Minutes feel like hours. Whole forest landscapes devoured. You scream free to the shadows. Smoke and mirrors, leaders are cowards. For the DC, sweet leaf flowers. Another